Craig Bullerjack's weekly interview is presented by University of Utah Health, trusted health care provider for the Utah Jazz family and yours. Time to welcome in the TV voice of the Jazz, Craig Bullerjack. Buller, good morning. David James, PK, you played some Rush. Nope. I'm kind of, this team's, I kind of got a rush right now. <laughs> 19 out of 20, Buller. Are you running wow. out of words? You've used a <laughs> lot of superlatives on a lot of broadcasts. I'm wondering how many more words yeah. you've got. Um, I'm digging down deep. If you, PK, if DJ, if you got a few, throw them my way. Uh, no, it's um, you know, it's let's use remarkable, uh, intriguing. Uh, I mean, just anything you want. It's uh, it's quite. You know, this is historic for jazz franchise history. So, I saw you know this morning you posted at home. Um, I mean, I, I'm just I'm just sitting back in kind of a a state of wow, state of awe. Uh, to be honest, the way they win, there's multiple ways. And uh, last night, was it pretty? At times, no. First half, uh, I thought the Clippers' defensive strategy was uh, was spot on. Like Ty, uh, Ty said last night, uh, uh, Ty, Ty Lu and the head coach, and he said, look, you know, you got to press them out on the three-point line and defend the pick and roll. They did a great job doing that, but the Jazz figured it out and attacked and I thought they upped their, their whole intensity in the second half. And, gosh, what was a five-point deficit at the half? They run away from them and went by 18. I mean, it's every night's a different different way of doing it. And it's that that's probably the most intriguing part about it right now. Yeah, it really is. I thought that, in a sense, that was sort of cool in that, all right, the Clippers, they're without their two stars at the top. Still got some players, though. I mean, they you do. can't deny that. Uh, so, you know, I, I hesitate to say it was the JV team because they got four or five guys that are, they're pretty much playing for any team in the league. But I think the Jazz knew that, all right, studs aren't there. Maybe psychologically, as human beings, you get off to a little bit of a sluggish start. But then in the third quarter, all right, guys, we're not going to lose this game. Let's put the hammer down on these dudes. I mean, we'll give them a you know an A for effort and all this stuff, but and it's valiant. But they're not as good as us, so let's just put them away and win comfortably. And that's exactly what they did. So I don't think that I'm upset that they got down by five at halftime. I like the way the fact when they flipped the switch and they turned it on, they blew them away. Absolutely. Uh, I mean, 35-point third quarter, another big one to, you know, to, to end it in the fourth, and it's, it's a 114-96 game. The other part of that, too, PK, is they gave up 51 first-half points and then, again, slowly shut the door on the Clippers. Uh, Patrick Beverly, he's a defensive you know, uh, menace for, for the Jazz. Reggie Jackson, I thought, you know, played a nice game, uh, Lou Williams. But, again, if I look at the fourth quarter, uh, that's where the Jazz just kind of shut down those scores. Lou Williams was not as impactful as he was in the first half by any means. And then you get a two-way guy named Amir Coffey who, you know, gave uh, gave um, the Clippers a, a nice second half. But, I, I you know, it, you make a great point about knowing that Kawhi and Paul George weren't going to play. Uh, you even toss in the name of uh, Batum, and all of a sudden you think, okay, sure. another yeah. walk in the park. But in reality, everybody in this league, you know, has a high level of talent, and the Jazz just turned theirs up, you know, to that next level in the second half. I never sense panic with this team throughout this entire run, and I think there's a confidence building here that is just, you know, unless you're in that locker room, which again this year we don't get a chance to to get into, 
but there is an incredible amount of confidence that's uh, basically raging through this team right now, and it goes one to one to nine. You know, even one to eleven and twelve, like a Jarrell Brantley, a Jawan Morgan, a Mieoni. Those guys are getting on the floor late, yes, but still, you can tell they they're playing with confidence too. So I guess the one thing is the uh, the question you reference on the Facebook page, you know, is all the winning getting ho-hum. Uh, we've seen with other teams, other sports, college pro, there are times where teams are winning and it's just too easy, and they do seem to lose their focus, and they do seem to get bored. Uh, do you think there's any chance that happens with this team? Because it doesn't seem like they can keep winning at this rate either. And it's hard uh, they, to see what's going to upset the apple cart, but you've watched a lot yeah. of NBA basketball, and you know, well, teams don't win 19 out of 20 routinely. You're not no. going to do this in the next 20 games. You okay, can't. Okay, so maybe 17 out of 20. Yeah, right. <laughs> oh, um, <laughs> 17 out of 20. Uh, I don't think I think the X factor here has to be Quinn Snyder of keeping this team focused. But you guys make a great point. The human factor has to come into play here sooner than later. I mean, I think fans have to understand that. And I think they do. Um, look, 24-5, and five, um, and tomorrow night the Clippers again, whether or not you see Kawhi Leonard or Paul George, you know, it's, it's, you just go back and play this game and maybe a, a, few, a few changes from uh, Ty Lue. Uh, but, yeah, I thought, again, the game plan was pretty solid. I don't see him changing much. Gobert was a huge factor last night, guys. I mean, it's fourth career 2020. And he dominated, right? I mean, Serge Ibaka, you know, stepped out and hit a couple of threes. Um, Zubats is a pretty physical player, I thought, for the Clippers. And I'm impressed with his play and kind of pushes Rudy around a little bit more. But uh, I think Rudy's confidence is sky high. I mean, that, PK, don't you see that? I mean, I, I, I thought, again, he, his hands are stronger. He's going up with more determination. And all of a sudden, he's starting to find more confidence at the free throw line. And every rebound is his. I mean, it's it's really an amazing thing to watch. It really is. Well, you just mirrored and echoed the exact words that I said earlier this morning in that I thought that the thing that I, I'm a big body language guy, yeah, your physical presence out on the floor, and I thought that the way he dunked was very violent, and I thought that his hands looked better, the best that I've seen. Sometimes he has a player or two in which he looks a little awkward. I don't think he did that. I thought he was looking for his shot instead of being tentative. And then when he was getting fouled, he was putting that ball just over the rim nice and soft so it's not a swish. It ends up getting the bounce to go in, and that's all that matters. And so I said earlier, DJ can back me up, that all things considered, I thought it was his best game of the season. I can't argue. No, I thought it was the most – you bring up an interesting uh, you know, comment or observation is it's that uh, – the body language of a lot of these guys, by the way, and that tells you a lot. Uh, he's turned away from arguing to PK uh, and DJ with the officials, even though, you know, you can tell he likes in, in the past. I think he's really tried to refocus and get back and run, which uh, I think Donovan made that, that comment last night that he's running with us. And instead of standing back and complaining that he didn't pick up the foul, um, and I think that has a lot to do with it, too. Maybe he's finally understanding as he continues to grow, and I believe he is, guys. I mean, let's be honest. He's made huge strides in the last couple of years and this season as well. Um, 
KK asked last night, are you playing with a chip on your on his shoulder? And I really believe he always has and always will. There's something ingrained in his mind about respect and being picked 27th and the, to prove that he is, the, you know, in fact, the best defender uh, in the NBA. And he's proven it twice, but he wants to, to, be, to, to make sure that people don't forget that. He doesn't like to be overlooked or maligned or, you know, questioned. And so that's the fuel, man, right now that runs Rudy Gobert. And I saw a lot of it last night, just like you, PK, about determination, anger, um, taking over a game. And it's really intriguing to watch. This whole process with this team is, is, a, is quite a storyline of itself. And the three-point shot, sometimes it doesn't go down. They struggled in the first half. They still hit 13 last night. But they're timely threes, but they have other options now. And I think they understand that defense will will fuel their offense. And, you know, we saw it against Miami. We saw it again last night. And that's what's the most intriguing part about the Jazz is there's just not a one-way team. They have multiple ways of getting the job done. Do you have any sense when uh, when Conley might be back? He's missed six games, and uh, you know he's out a long time last year. And we heard that this injury wasn't as bad as last year because he was questionable before they ruled him out. I wondered if maybe he was getting closer. Yeah, I mean that's the only thing I can you know. Again, the Jazz is we all know very tight lipped when it comes to injury, but the only the, the only indicator really is through that injury report when you go from out to probable or questionable to probable. Uh, and then you jump in. I would think after this road trip, you come home for two, and you got the weekend off Saturday, Sunday, before you jump back on the floor with Charlotte. So, you know, you think it's a a process, and obviously Mike knows his body at 34 or 33, so I'm guessing, you know, they're working with him on trying to figure this thing out, but I'm guessing he's getting closer just in the sense of the injury report. That's the only indicator that I have right now. But I've seen him, you know, before we're on air and the way things are going this this year, <clears throat> you know, with calling games off the Jumbotron on away games, he's out there, you know, and, and he's warming up at home. You see him taking shots and still trying to, you know, keep in rhythm. So, I mean, it's, it's not to the point where he can't be on the leg, but obviously I think he's getting closer. That's my guess. That's only a guess, but... It'll be interesting to see him back, how he works his way back into the lineup. Joe Ingles, guys, has done an incredible job. Um, and the way that he is, you know, synced right now on the floor with Gobert and even Favors uh, and even Donovan. Man, seven assists last night. Joe had, you know, five. Uh, pardon me. Yeah, five. So the, 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 they had 12 assists of the 19 last night, those two. So they're really dialed in with Gobert. And that's been a big key as well. So how do we explain what I think Joe Ingles is doing is playing the best ball of his NBA life this season? Well, PK, I can't argue, and Quinn Snyder echoed it last night. Um, you know, it's he is incredibly fun to watch. He's dialed in, tuned in. Um, how do you do that, PK, at 33? Uh, how, does, how does even Mike Conley, before the injury, improve uh, in his 14th year? in the NBA because I guess they're open to coaching and they're also hungry. Uh, and that's a key too, I think for this team is that there is this, this hunger 
Um, I know people look at me and talk about cliches and come on, it can't be that way. It is. Uh, there's a, this is a team that uh, obviously made a decision after getting knocked out by Denver last year or after, you know, with the 3-1 lead, consciously saying to themselves, this isn't going to happen again. And, you know, there was obviously a lot of discussion about who we are in the bubble, what we want to become, and here they are. And I think Joe obviously is a centerpiece of that, PK. I really think that's probably part of the answer is that his leadership with Donovan and the way that he plays the game with, you know, people call high IQ, but you have to. He's Joe. I mean, there's angles. Uh, he outsmarts, outwits so many of his opponents. And then, of course, he plays free with a three-point shot. And it's just the confidence that he plays with right now, I would agree. He's at, at, at an all-time high. Absolutely. So you got any idea how long you can sustain this? Because on the one hand, 33 seems the point where your career ought to start to tail off a little bit. But at the same time, we hear it's, well, it's really about how many minutes you play. Well, he played in Europe, and they don't play as many games a week, and the games are 40 minutes, not 48. So he hasn't played as many minutes. He's played like 13,000 in the NBA. So should we think that he's going to uh, push the envelope here on uh, 33, 34, 35? Well... You know, you made me pick up the box score because I was figuring, without even you saying that, how many minutes actually did he play last night? And I'm sure that Quinn is um, aware of that. How? I mean, I thought he played 30 just because of the impact he had on the game last night. But in reality, he played 24, 24 minutes. And Donovan went 34, and O'Neal played 34, and Clarkson played 33, Gobert 32. That surprises me because, again, the way that he impacted the game last night, I thought he played more than that. But I think it's got to be an issue, uh, to your point, DJ, that Quinn has to understand. I know, sure, Quinn's tuned in. The coaches that are there, analytics, numbers, minutes, all the above are at his fingertips. And obviously the Jazz are aware of, of keeping him on the floor, but in critical minutes, closing minutes. And I'm sure they understand they've got to keep Joe healthy, bottom line, especially after the Achilles kind of flared up a little bit, right? I mean, I think they've got to be very aware of that. So I'm wondering, since Joe is playing so well, if you bring Bogdanovich off the bench. Mm. Well... He's in a he's in a bit of a quandary right now. You could tell last night. You talk body language, PK. I don't know. I, I saw a couple of uh, reaction shots off the monitor that you could tell. Man, he's going. Why isn't Why isn't this working? Why isn't this going in? And Bogey last night, two of ten, did not hit a three. In fact, his last uh, five games, he's below twenty five percent from the three point shot. So with the three pointer. So, yeah, you know, Quinn, Quinn has that ability to make any changes he wants. Joe obviously can adapt, and you guys talk to him on a weekly basis. I think, though, he thrives as a starter, PK. I really do. And, I, you know, only he can explain it, but he always talks the right talk, and that is put me wherever you need me, coach, and I'll play. But, boy, as a starter, he just seems to be much more engaged. Um, and maybe it just opens up the fact the ball's in his hands much more than it than it is when he comes in with the second unit. So, yeah, I mean, you, you hate to, you know, with Conley out, 
but you continue to win, I just wonder what direction they'll go and how they'll do this. It'll be an interesting decision by Quinn Snyder. Uh, do you rock the boat? Do you change up the lineup, or do you go back to what you know what he went with from the very beginning? That that's going to have to happen here pretty quick, pretty soon. Bowler, as always, we appreciate it. Thanks for stopping by. We will hear you on the broadcast with the Jazz and the Clippers, and we will talk to you again next week. All right, guys. Good talking to you. Ho-hum. No, I, <laughs> <laughs> this is fun. This is fun. Keep the train rolling. But uh, got another, you know, another challenge tomorrow night, and then next week uh, LeBron comes to town. So more answers on the way for sure. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Joe Ingles will be here at 930. Stay with us.